Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, it's TGIF almost Friday. <laughs> it's Thursday. I mean, we're looking, you know, more and more so we're looking forward to the weekend to uh, to, to stop all this nonsense. It has been crazy. I mean, what a crazy week, and we have huge developments in Israel we're going to be talking about. What a day. And we got no Republicans in the in the studio today. We have two common-sense Democrats. We have Re- Judge Richard Weinberg, and we have Governor David Patterson. And, uh, David, we scared them off. You scared <laughs> off the Republicans. <laughs> Republican, know, where the hell where, where the heck did they zone. go? Yeah. Well, some of them went to Washington. Uh, we do know that, John. A number of the uh, Democratic mayors did go to Washington. No, the Democrats are here. Here we are. Oh, there they are. They came here. The Republicans are not here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was wondering with Craig Eaton, uh, what happened in the Brooklyn Democratic Party? Do you ever uh, Republican Party? Do you ever hear, uh, David? No, uh, they're, they're uh, rearranging their caucus. I don't know what the result of it was. They're, they're moving around the chairs? Uh, as we speak, literally, literally in front of the I didn't say the Titanic. Yes. <laughs> I want to give uh, John a shout out to you uh, because Judge Weinberger and I were at this amazing luncheon today. It was at the Metropolitan Club. It was for the Friends of the Vietnam Veterans Plaza. It was their uh, 18th annual um, event. It was beautiful. You and Gary Sinise, uh, two great patriots, were honored. And John, your speech was so powerful. It was about protecting the homeland, protecting the city. Um, and and everybody just loved it, John. You, it was just, it was a home run. Well, I think- called upon everybody in that room because everybody in that room was uh, almost my age, or maybe more. And I said, "You got everybody in this room has to keep. You're veterans, but everybody in this room has to work hard to to, to make sure our city, our state, our country uh, is in good shape because right now." Our borders are open. Uh, the fentanyls are coming in. The, uh, our our schools, our colleges are under attack, and and uh, so many things. And I was talking to Governor Patterson before that uh, Hamas. I, in my opinion, each one of those Hamas people got ten thousand dollars a piece and a machine gun. So you and, uh, and you had 10, a great 000, question. Ten thousand a piece for ten thousand Hamas Hamas uh, uh, killers. That's only a hundred million dollars. Paid for paid for an oil money. Who is the Bin Laden of twenty twenty three? I mean, our intelligence agencies, the the, the uh, Israeli intelligence agencies, have to tell us. Yeah, and nobody has talked about that. That I think is somebody so powerful, wrote the John. Check. Yeah, somebody wrote the check because those ten thousand went in there and they went in there to kill, kill, kill. And hey, in reality. Uh, there's two million Palestinians. Uh, pro- probably a lot of them are innocent, but I'm sure there's sympathizers there too. Well, and sympathizers here in the homeland. And later on in the show, John, we're going to be talking uh, with Jason Mayaris. He's a Virginia attorney general who is cracking down on some of these groups that he believes may be funneling yeah, money to Hamas yeah, and by Hezbollah. The way, Jason Mayaris is the attorney general of Virginia, but where's the United States FBI dealing with this issue? 
God bless Jason Mears for doing the right thing. But where is the FBI? Yeah, exactly. No, that is a great, great point. And they need to be in this. The other thing, too, you guys, I mean, there are just so many issues today. Um, and we're encircling right now. Uh, we're hearing the latest word. And that, by the way, uh, the, the election for 51 out of 51 city council seats on Tuesday. 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 And we took, WABC took a full page ad in the New York Post, and we're going to do it again. And uh, and uh, we're going to say, vote common sense. You know? Absolutely. It has vote, to vote, vote common sense. Vote for public sense. safety and law and order. Yeah, it has to be. And, but, it has uh, to be. Governor Patterson feels yeah, right. that uh, people are just going to vote the same old way. I, I don't see a change more than two seats either way. Um, uh, 43 of the seats will actually be contested because eight of the seats, the incumbent is not being challenged. But in the 43 seats, I don't see a change in 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 the numbers by more than two seats either way. But so much is on the line. Don't you agree, Governor Patterson? I mean, I feel like security in so many ways is on the line. Some of them uh stark contrast, right, at least for whoever people are voting, but at least to know who's protecting your community and who isn't. I, I didn't say that the issues don't merit a big turnout. But remember, this is classically the lowest turnout year because a presidential election is in 2020, a mayor elections in 2021, the gubernatorial elections 2022, and we'll be back to the presidential election 2024. This is usually the year that you're very low turnout. Yeah, it needs to change, though, because I feel like the issues, to John's point, are so pivotal. Uh, all the border security issues, all the defunding the police, all of these issues. Um, and I think there's so much on the ballot this now, year. Governor, uh, and uh, Judge, you, you've been around uh, Democratic poly, uh, politics uh, for a million years. Uh, what happened uh, to uh, uh, Mayor Adams's fundraiser? Why would well, he, why, what, what is the FBI looking for? Well, they went in, they executed a search warrant or at her home. They're looking for records with respect to campaign financing. Uh, the mayor was supposed to be in uh, meetings in Washington. He ran back for this, supposedly on, on other matters. It's a, it's a real question about this. Is public financing of campaigns and campaign finance creates a whole myriad of problems for politicians yeah. about how it's done. Yeah, lots of questions there. And, and you're right. It was a and, big issue that was supposed to be in Washington. I talked to somebody that's close to the situation, and he thought if they did anything wrong, it's just sloppy book, bookkeeping. But, well, and that, that very well may be the case, exactly right. right. But because what you have to have is you have to have real experts who know how to do this because the New York State campaign finance law and the state election law very complicated, and you just can't have amateurs doing it. And Governor yeah. Patterson is pointing. I that understand out. we have Carl Rove on, yes, uh, Rita. Yes, we do. Of course, the former senior advisor to George W. Bush, the president. And Carl, we love having you here on the show. Um, you know, there's so much to talk about. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the military offensive that's happening in Israel. Let's get to some of the politics of it, because I don't know if you saw this. The uh, the president and everybody in the White House is now saying they want a pause. And people are wondering, is this president wobbling on Israel? Yeah, it looked uh, troublesome uh, because a pause is another word for a ceasefire. And uh, and the opponents of Israel, the enemies of Israel uh, and the friends of Hamas are out there uh, beating the drum for a ceasefire. Well, maybe they should have called for a ceasefire moments into the 
uh, massacres that occurred on October 7th. I mean, I, I love this. So let, 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 let the terrorists come in and murder children and uh, rape women and kill elderly people and take hostages among the civilian population. And, uh, and then, but let's, let's create a ceasefire before anybody uh, goes and attacks the, the, the terrorist, the, the militants who did those things. So I have no, um, maybe the administration feels it's compelled to do this because of the situation in the region. Uh, they want to keep everybody calm, but uh, the idea of, quote, a pause, uh, this ought to be, um, we ought to be supporting Israel in defending itself and wiping out the high command of Hamas and uh, getting hold of as many of, uh, of those who participated in the massacres and, uh, and uh, dealing them dealing with them and bringing them to justice. Yeah, and this wobbliness is crazy. And they're talking about, like, maybe multiple pauses every time. It just it looks so bad. Um, Carl Rove, we have uh, former Governor David Patterson. Carl, I think... Governor! uh, How are you? (laughs) I'm fabulous, Governor. We wish you were back in there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll call you when I decide to do it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, of all of the galling and just horrible things that happened on October 7th. The one that uh, bothered me the most is something you sort of mentioned. Within an hour of the attacks, 50 countries on this planet call for Israel to show restraint. Now, if somebody broke into your house and you grabbed your gun, what are they going to do? Tell you to hold restraint? But it's really not funny at all. It it just yeah. demonstrates that um that the the emboldened feeling of these countries about challenging our country yeah well and it also shows the the hatred towards israel and the the presence of anti-semitism around the world i mean the the jews this was the 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 theory behind october 7th was kill as many jews as possible my heart is aches when i look at that picture of that classroom with the floor entirely covered in blood. Those were the blood of innocence. And and yet we have one of the leaders of Hamas saying we will do, you know, we will do October 7th every time we can. So let's not kid ourselves that that uh, there is evil in this world and uh, Hamas needs to be dealt with. Otherwise, the security of Israel is going to be at stake and a, a friend and an ally is going to be at risk and innocent lives are going to be needlessly lost. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking to Carl Rove. Judge Weinberg, you have got a question. Carl, and Carl, it's even broader than uh, Israel or the Jewish communities across the, the world. It's This is a first step in an attempt by extreme Islamic fundamentalists to have control over the world. And the next yeah. group are going to be the Christians and then the Hindus and then the Buddhists. Nobody is safe from this kind of terrorism and this kind of zealotry. What do you think? Oh, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. In fact, and look, what's amazing to me is how people in the Mideast are cross-pressured because you've got to, we've got to know that, that the leaders of many of the countries in the Middle East are, understand that this is Iran attempting to control and dominate the region. And they know that they are at risk as well, that this is not only the Israel and the Jews, but is them as Sunnis and opponents of, of Iran. So but cross pressured by popular by popular feeling inside their countries, you know, they, they have to sort of straddle this issue. But but there's a reason why the king of Jordan called up uh, the, the the prime minister of Israel in September and said, I'm hearing rumblings about something bad is going to happen. 
because he was concerned about this because he sees behind this Iran. And talk about an enemy of, of, of our friends and allies in the region. That's the ultimate and that's the ultimate foe. Let, let's go back to the United States. You're a man in the know. What the heck is going on with the Republican Party? I mean, are they going to be able to sh- – it looks like Trump is way in the lead. Are they going to be able to shoot him down? Well, look, remember, who is in the lead at this point in 2015? It was a guy named Ben Carson. Actually, in in 2011, Ben Carson was ahead, leading in the Iowa caucuses. And, of course, it was then – he didn't win the Iowa caucuses. So there's plenty of time. And and, and if I were looking at the numbers, there's a reason why President Trump has now bought television in Iowa and has now gone there in in, uh, October and and late September eight times because – He's flatlined in the Iowa poll. He was 43 in August. Should be 42 in August, 43 today. So nearly. So he can't afford to lose. He can't afford to lose. And and look who's got momentum. Nikki Haley in August was at 6%. And in October, she's at, she was at 16%. And, uh, and, and, and if you take his numbers, a majority of the people still say they're open to considering who they're going to vote for. And of the people who've made up their mind, they represent 29% of the electorate has said, I've made up my mind and I'm for Donald Trump. Now, here, why I put this in my column today. I don't understand why the Trump campaign and why the former president himself goes around. He says, I was up by 60, I'm up by 67 points. No, you're not. You're, you're in the national poll at 58. And in the, in, in Iowa, you're at 43. You're 27 points ahead of your of the next two people, but you know what? Things can change in that place. They, they can, but the Carl, but Carl, come on. Uh, also, that's a huge difference between him and number two and three. I mean, you'd much rather be in Trump's position, uh, you know, and you've oh, yeah. handled I, so I, many I, campaigns. I, I, what I think Carl absolutely. was saying, what I think Carl was saying, is that in 2011, Ben Carson was this kind of favored candidate yeah, but and he didn't then have he, that yeah, kind but of nobody, a lead then, but then he had a meltdown on, yeah and he didn't have that kind of a lead either i mean but, that's a huge lead oh yeah, oh yeah he, he was way ahead he, he was, was way he ahead was pretty, he was way ahead basically yeah. if he hadn't had the meltdown that he had in one of those tv interviews he would have won iowa yeah well and look it, 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 we've, we've got a little bit of history here 1984 walter mondale was going to be the nominee of the democratic party goes to iowa last poll has him at 40 Nine percent on election day, on caucus day, he gets forty-eight point nine. But the story was the guy who, in the last poll, was at three percent suddenly gets sixteen uh, percent, and Gary Hart. And, the, and and there's a race. And eight days later, Hart beats him based on a, a wave of national. Who's this guy who was at three percent who suddenly comes in second? And everybody paid attention to Gary Hart for eight days, and he upset. Uh, Mondale in in uh, uh, in New Hampshire, and the contest was finally settled. Mondale won it, but he won it on June fifth, when in the last set of primaries, Gary Hart won 20, went on to win twenty six contests. And on the last day in June, June fifth, the last day of the primaries, he won California, South Carolina, uh, South Dakota, and New Mexico. But Mondale won New Jersey and West Virginia, and, and thereby secured the Democratic nomination with twenty one delegates to spare. So, you know, and Mondale could Mondale could have lost because if Gary Hart had been able to answer the question, you may remember the famous debate where Mondale says, 
Uh, every time I hear you speak, I'm reminded of that commercial. Where's the beef? Right. Yeah. Yep, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Carl, yeah. Carl, we, um, we um, got a heart out here, but I just want to say you're right. You never know what happens. But boy, it's yep. a, it's a sizable lead in many polls. It is. Um, it is. Carl, it we is. love your perspective. We always love having you here. Thank you, well, Carl. Thank you, Carl. And uh, listen, got to work hard. Yes, sir. It will be an All interesting right. year. That's yep. for sure. And joining us now, also somebody who knows politics extremely well. He's been, of course, an advisor to many, many presidents, including President Trump. Uh, he has a brand new book out. It's called Corrupt, the inside story of Biden's dark money. Dick Morris. And Dick, before we get to that, um, some big news, obviously, today that Donald Trump Jr. finished testifying a little bit ago. Eric Trump has also testified. Uh, this is in the New York fraud trial. And they're saying that the former president is going to testify potentially on Monday. I, I, I just find it so I find it so unseemly that they're pushing the kids in. They're trying to get Ivanka in, too. Um, your thoughts on on just is this going to backfire because it just looks so over the top? And do you think he's going to testify next week? That's huge news. Yeah, I do think it, I do think it is backfiring. I think that the persecution of Donald Trump is ratifying his his credentials as an anti-establishment candidate and uh, and someone who the the establishment wants to pick on. And I think that that in a way is helping him. I think the fraud trial is absurd. There is no crime here. Nobody's alleging there's a crime. Uh, Donald Trump said his property was worth three billion. Let's just hypothetically say three billion and it was only worth two billion. That's not a crime. And uh, the banks lent him money. He paid it all back with interest. And what's the crime? And the banks uh, have their own appraisers. Yes. And nobody and lost property. a dime. No yeah, one lost property. a dime. They were all repaid. Yeah, some and of them made money, the by the way. <laughs> Property values oscillate wildly based on the economy and all kinds of circumstances, and no property assessment is set in stone. So, I mean, this is a prosecution where there is no crime. In fact, it's not even a criminal but, prosecution. But, Dick, it's it's not a crime, but it could be a tort, which is where he moves all the money. This this is not a criminal trial. Right, but, what, yeah. do, but Governor, where's the injury? Injury to whom? Yeah. Yeah, Anybody. Exactly. Where's an injury exactly. to anyone? You know, James can't show us an injury. And I think that you're asking why they're involving the Trump kids. Folks, basically because you've only seen can. the first act. You haven't seen the grand finale. Oh, what's the grand finale? Wait, wait, wait. Stick around. You'll see. Governor, <laughs> Governor Patterson, you have act two, scene one? Yeah. <laughs> He's an actor, too? Oh, what is it? What is it, stage left? Yeah, this guy's got it all. He's got it all. <laughs> is there another shoot or fall? Right. <laughs> oh, my God. You'll have more than 90 indictments? What else is coming, yeah. right? Oh, my gosh. This is all a contrivance simply to try to stop Trump from being president. And I think everybody understands that that's what it is. I'll give you this, Dick. This is not a major case. Wait, here's here's Governor Patterson's assessment, Dick. This is not a major case uh, that's going to determine whether or not Trump can run for president because it's not a criminal's case. His problems are in Georgia. They're not in New York. Okay, and I submit... I submit to you, Governor, that even if he's convicted in Georgia, that's not a bar for him either running for president or being president if he's elected. Let's go to Dick. Dick, make, your it thoughts. Won't a, it won't make a damn bit of difference. Uh, after he was indicted, they used to say if he's indicted, he's dead. He's been indicted four times, maybe indicted a fifth coming up. 
Uh, now they're saying if he's convicted, he's dead. That's absurd. They're also saying if he's imprisoned, he's dead. There is nothing that the judicial system can do to Donald Trump that's going to derail his presidential bid uh, because there are no serious crimes there. He didn't murder anybody. And uh, the, the voters see this all as they contrivance by the establishment of the Democratic Party to try to do in the judicial system what they can't do in the electoral system, which is to defeat Donald Trump. And um, before we let you go, Dick, we want to also ask you real quick about Biden, because you wrote a whole big book on uh, Biden, the inside story of Biden's dark money. It's called Corrupt. It's a bestseller again. So bravo. Um, and what is where do you think it's headed with Biden um, with all of this? Well, there's the new House speaker says he may subpoena Hunter any day now. Yeah. And they're going to subpoena Hunter's. They have subpoenaed Hunter's and will subpoena Joe's bank account. And you're going to see the actual flow of money uh, from Chinese interests and bribes first to uh, first to other members of the family like Hunter and then finally to Joe. All this is leading, obviously, to impeachment, and uh, the Senate won't approve it, but the trial for impeachment will be the form in which all of this can be brought out and all the bribery can be exposed to the public. And I think that you're going to see a situation where you have one candidate who's been indicted and another one who's been convicted, but the and so they're offset, but the indictment is for stuff that they do not regard as real, they do not regard as significant. Uh, it did not compromise national security, whereas the impeachment is a president committing treason and basically selling out the interests of the United States to China, who is paying for them. And one of the things I do in my book is I go through all of the ways in which Biden has compromised America and endorsed and helped China, beginning with not blaming it for COVID, not investigating the origin of the COVID, letting the dollar be dethroned as the global currency and doing nothing to defend it, letting China rip off American taxpayers and job holders by requiring businesses that move to China to surrender all of their intellectual property and their patents on the way in, by letting China put bases in Cuba and build islands in the China Sea, they're unsinkable aircraft. It's carriers. a mess. It's yeah, what about mess. open border? Yeah. It's a mess. <laughs> China's open going to border. Cuba? <laughs> we have to bring back Dick, President Kennedy Dick, now. This is a great book. What's the name of the book again? Corrupt. And where, get, where can you get Biden's it? Dark Money. Amazon. Bravo. Dick Morris, we love you. you got to come back on again soon, Dick. Thank okay. you. Thank, thank you, Dick guys. Morris. And uh, thank you, Governor. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, let's... <laughs> <laughs> let's take let's take a break. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have Attorney General uh, Jason uh, Mayoris cracking uh, from down. Virginia. He's doing a huge crackdown, John, on money that's tied to Hamas that he says is in America. Are you saying that American money is going to Hamas? That's what he's looking at. That's going to be interesting. Let's take that break. Common Sense Recap of the Day's Biggest Stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Well, John was asking who's the bin Laden of 2023? Who is funding some of these terror groups? And also, who is funding some of these protests and pro-Hamas protests in some cases here in the United States, well, our next guest is looking into just that. He has been a big supporter of Israel, and he is the current attorney general of Virginia, Jason Mayaris. 
Uh, Mr. Attorney General, bravo to you. Uh, you are cracking down on some of these groups uh, that you believe may have given money to Hamas. Talk about that. That's a big deal. Well, you know, one of the large groups is America Muslims for Palestine. It's actually headquartered in uh, Falls Church, Virginia. It's, um, you know, and, and, you know, I wear a lot of hats as attorney general, but one of the hats I wear is making sure that all of the charitable organizations based in Virginia are following the law. And so uh, there are allegations that they both uh, were not probably registered with the Commonwealth of Virginia before they solicited donations. And also we have an explicit actually in the code of Virginia that you are not allowed to solicit donations for a charitable cause and then have that money go to a known designated chair, uh, terrorist group. And so um, obviously Hamas is one of them. Uh, in this situation, there is actually a civil lawsuit that was filed in Illinois with, with allegations of that. Uh, it got put on our radar of, of um, that they were possibly not registered properly while they were soliciting donations and possible uh, possible connections with with uh, outside groups. So our job is to both monitor and, if necessary, investigate. So we're in the process of getting those answers, and uh, it's an ongoing investigation. So I'm a little limited in what I can say, other than uh, I think it's it's really important right now for everybody in America to have real moral clarity of of where things stand. How many groups do you think are like that uh, potentially? And, and how much money is involved? Yeah, that's a great question too. You know, those are great questions. There's questions I can't say right now publicly, other than we are looking very, very diligently. Uh, we have the power in our office to basically get uh, an enormous amount of records from uh, any of these charitable groups. Again, it is a in order to be a, a charity in Virginia, you have to agree to abide by certain rules and laws, and one of which is, is that the attorney general has the right, um, if we t- so choose. Um, and we have we have a predicate reason to look into it, to look into it. And uh, that's exactly what we're doing. We're trying to get answers. General, uh, we've been talking that uh, somebody hired 10,000 Hamas, gave them $10,000 apiece, which is $100 million, which is chump change to, to Iran or, or, or Qatar or whoever. Who is the bin Laden of 2023? Who orchestrated it? Well, I mean, listen, this is what we do know. We know that, that there is an enormous amount of money right now flowing into a lot of different, a lot of these different groups. I think that the heart of all of this it goes back to Iran, the idea that the Biden administration suddenly, uh, after the Trump administration had done such a good job putting Iran in a box, uh, they essentially gave them billions of dollars, uh, unfroze uh, an enormous amount of their assets that they are now funding. Almost every if there is a bad actor in the Middle East, there's a good chance that Iran is part of that bad actor. That they're helping to both fund it. Uh, they they give an enormous amount of resources, obviously to Hamas, but also Islamic Jihad, which is also located in Gaza and, and in the West Bank, and then Hezbollah, which is in many ways the most dangerous of all of these entities. Um, they are they are propping up the Assad regime in Syria. Uh, they, they are constantly putting in uh, Shiite death squads in Iraq that they are funding as well, the Houthis in Yemen. And so I think you really can look at and people are wondering, why did the Middle East suddenly go from the Abraham Accords when we were facing or looking like we were going to some level of stability and just under Biden? Why is it deteriorated so fast? Because Biden has a feckless foreign policy that can only be described as weak. Well, weakness doesn't cut it in the Middle East. They respect strength. 
And they sure as heck are looking at a United States that is giving billions of dollars to Iran, Iran that is that is bombed, I think, 23 different military installations uh, or their or their proxies. And they're waiting for the United States to see if we're doing anything. And so far, it's just been it's been almost next to nothing. Our response has been laughable. It and, has been. I um, agree. And, and by the way, Mr. Attorney, laughable. Mr. Attorney General, tomorrow, I don't know if you heard this, uh, the head of Hezbollah is going to make his first statement. Hassan Nasrallah, probably one of the worst people in the world, um, is going to yeah. be making his first statement post 10 7. Um, let me, let me bring it if we could, Virginia Attorney General Jason Mayars. This is, uh, former Governor David Patterson. Mr. Attorney General, if you were able to establish to your satisfaction that this kind of conduct is going on, um, what would be the procedure where it changes from a vile, a civil violation to a criminal one? Well, listen, I mean, you're talking about a hypothetical about if there's any charity that, that turns out that they are they're essentially uh, potentially laundering money to a known terrorist organization. I mean, civilly on any charity in Virginia, I'd be able to take them to court that they'd be uh, seek a variety of different both penalties and worst case scenario, dissolve it um, civilly. Just they, they literally aren't allowed to function uh, criminally. That would be something we would work with our federal law enforcement partners to I mean, that that is a federal crime in itself. But, but there's, there's a different problem, money. a different problem. The problem is the FBI has not called it a terrorist group. I mean, everybody else, the whole world called them. Uh, and the president has not called them a terrorist group. Yeah. And, and the attorney general uh, of the United States hasn't called them a terrorist group. Boy, what a mess that is. It is a mess. It is a mess. It's a mess. Uh, Mr. General. Attorney General, uh, you got to stick with us, please. Um, and uh, join us again um, and keep on this. And as soon as you we, hear something, let us know, please. Yes. Thank we you. We'll Thank you touch. so much. Thank you so much. Crack down Thank on you. that yeah, money for all. sure. Thank yeah. you. And uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, who do we have? We have uh, one of the great leaders, former leader of Delta Force, uh, General Jerry Boykin, talking then, about then, some big stuff. From 4 o'clock in the morning, we got uh, we <laughs> Frank have, Morano. Uh, Frank Morano. Yeah, you stayed up well, listening to him I for a few I stayed up hours. listening. I was up. <laughs> and uh, you know what? The whales may be saved. The company that was going to build those windmills from New Jersey, well, they're leaving and they're going to take a $5 billion write-off. Uh, Would somebody tell the New York State company, whoever they may be, maybe Morano knows, that they should leave too and save the whales? Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here and big news happening in Israel and, of course, on the Gaza Strip. Uh, We're just coming a few minutes ago that the Gaza City, that's where the urban fighting is going to be, is encircled. Also, Americans got out and our president calling for a pause. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Joining us now is one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. He also serves as executive vice president of the Family Research Council, one of the great generals out there. Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin. General, great to have you here on the show. First off, uh, let's Thank talk. Thank you a- very much. <laughs> You're welcome, General. We love having you here. Um, your thoughts, first off, about they're like literally at, at the doorstep of Gaza City. Everyone's saying this is going to be really tough urban fighting. What's ahead for the Israeli forces now? 
Well, it's just that. There's going to be a lot of, of very difficult fighting. And as uh, I think most commentators have said, and very accurately so, uh, this urban warfare is something that you want to avoid if you can. Uh, in this case, there is no way to avoid this. And I think what you're going to see, the, the Israelis have already lost like 17, 18 people. And I think uh, you're going to see more uh, just simply because of the nature of the fight. And uh, But I will say this. Uh, I am really disappointed that our, our president is uh, uh, leaning on the Israelis to uh, take a pause or, uh, you know, God forbid a ceasefire, because that's the worst thing they can do right now. They've got the momentum, the winds in their sails, and I think that uh, we have to we have to give them what they need, and at the same time stay out of their business, let them run their own war. General Boykin, doesn't that also give Hamas a huge advantage? Any sort of pause, um, because the Israelis are furious. That they're even suggesting that the uh, Biden is suggesting a pause. They're saying Hamas can rearm, they can reload. Uh, they're already getting a hundred trucks a day. I just saw this. Uh, the Israelis sending into there for humanitarian. So they can't say the humanitarian isn't coming in. I mean, obviously they'd like more. We want to help uh, the good Palestinian people, but that gives a huge advantage. That that sends a very bad signal from a military perspective. Your thoughts. Uh, absolutely. You just, I mean, everything you said is absolutely correct based on my experience. Uh, you give them anything that gives the, uh, give them a slight advantage and they will use it and they will, they will take uh, advantage of it. And, uh, what we're seeing right now, I think, is, uh, a president that's getting cold feet, a president that's, uh, letting politics come into, uh, the, the decisions that are being made right now. And, uh, and I think that uh, what we've got to do is make it clear, once again, we're going to stand with Israel, and we're going to give them what they need, and and we will help them to the extent that they ask for our help. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody, we're talking to one of the great uh, legendary generals out there, General Jerry Boykin, um, one of the original members of Delta Force. Uh, Judge Weinberg? General, uh, welcome to the show. Good to talk to you, sir. What I'm very concerned about, sir, is, is this. You have the leader of Hamas, the so-called political wing, making the following statement, which is this was just the first of it. We're going to do it again and again and again until Israel is wiped off the map and the Jewish people are driven out of of Israel. So how do you, in good conscience, ask them for a ceasefire when you know that it's going to happen again and again and again? And now there's talk about the Wagner group aiding Hezbollah. So now you're talking about a two-front war. What are your thoughts on this, General? Yeah, first of all, I I really am concerned if uh, the Wagner Group is coming into this battle, and uh, we are going to see a two-front war that is going to be uh, very, very difficult for the Israelis. That said, they will figure it out, and they will win it in the end. I think that there's no question about the outcome of this. It's just the cost. It's the cost that's that we really need to be focused on here. And uh, look, I I am really disappointed that the president is um, is talking to them about a, a ceasefire or or a pause, as he calls it, because you're absolutely right. They will take advantage of it, that being Hamas. They will take advantage of it. They will rearm, resupply, 
refurbish. They will do everything that we would not want them to do. What we want to do, and I'm saying we as I'm on the Israeli side on this, and and what we're going to see, I think, is uh, we're going to see them uh, really looking for any way that they can have an advantage over the Israelis. And a pause or a ceasefire or anything else like that is going to be exactly what they want and what they need. And when that guy made that statement that you just read or, or talked about, uh, I think it was uh, it was all we needed to hear to understand you can't trust these people. They are not going to capitulate. They are going to die. They don't care about their own people, let alone the people that they have taken captive. And uh, and 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 we do, and the Israelis do. So that puts us at a minor disadvantage to start with. Absolutely. But now you stop the stop the fighting, and let them refurbish. It uh, it's the worst thing we could do right now. Well, General Jerry Boykin, thank you so much for your great service. We love having you here on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. much. Breaking news, WABC. And just coming in, Apple sales fell for a fourth straight quarter, uh, suggesting that the iPhone maker is facing some big issues uh, John, your thoughts about why why do you think this is happening, John? Well, there's nothing new. I, I, I've been buying Apple uh, uh, all along, 12, 13, 14, nothing new. Uh, they tell you, I asked my son, who's an expert, and you know what he says? Oh, well, it's a better camera. Well, the heck with a better camera. <laughs> yeah, for that kind of money. You know, who gives a crap about a better camera? I mean, I'd want a better car a few for that teenagers. money. <laughs> so uh, I think no, I, I, Apple, Apple has to make more progress uh, in what they're delivering, that it's faster or something that's better. What do you say, Governor? Uh, I know, John. He's an expert on cameras, and I'm going to upgrade to iPhone, what was it, 14? <laughs> you know, uh, what do you have, iPhone 1? My friend Mark Simone's up to iPhone 16. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, I understand we got Frank Morano on uh, from the other side of midnight. What are you doing on this side of midnight, uh, Frank? <laughs> well, I'm listening to you guys as I do each and every day. A fascinating discussion, and it may be a bad day to be an Apple investor. It's also a bad day to be an investor in offshore wind energy. Uh, it doesn't because, work. Uh, did, did anybody uh, tell him it doesn't work? It's called ripoff. Uh, this uh, this company, Orsted, which is a, a Dutch company, which is one of the leaders in offshore wind, they had a 27% uh, dip in the stock price yesterday, in large part in driven being driven by what's going on in New Jersey. This was a project that was heavily touted by Governor Murphy and others to build uh, two offshore wind projects off the Jersey Shore. And they killed now, was- 71 whales. In the last year alone, there have been 14 whales that have washed up ashore dead in New York and New Jersey. And what a lot of environmental activists are pointing to is the only thing that's different is sort of the beginning stages of uh, laying the groundwork for these offshore wind turbines. Now, it wasn't just the environmental groups that were opposed to this. It was everybody. You had 30 local mayors, many of whom are Democrats. So this is not a a red versus blue issue that were opposed to this. You had uh, tourism officials, businesses that were concerned about the impact of tourism at the Jersey Shore. And uh, the they have prepared now to take a four billion dollar 
haircut on this. That's how uh, this much it looks like it, they were not going to make money on this. They already put in $4 billion that they're preparing to uh, just say goodbye to because apparently the increase in interest rates leads to an increase in borrowing costs and inflation, and it doesn't look like without significant well, government subsidies what is New York State they can ever doing? make money. What is New York well, State doing? That's a great question. There was a big victory on this front in Long Beach recently because uh, they wanted a special rule that they could use the transmission over parkland, and Governor Hochul just vetoed that. But obviously, uh, she has uh, stated this 2030 goal of having 70% of New York's energy come from clean and renewable energy. So even though she vetoed that Long Beach project, she also is soliciting awards for 25 new renewable energy projects. But I think it comes down to the same thing. New York is going to have to either subsidize this to the tune of billions of dollars or By the way, some more breaking news. Some more breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. I understand that <laughs> our former police commissioner. Yes. Is going to work for the New yes. York Mets. Yes, Keyshawn Sewell is going to be working for the Mets. How cool is that, Frank? I actually that that is one of the coolest jobs out there, wasn't it? Condoleezza Rice, who said she wanted to be baseball commissioner. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, that I think was she her been a great baseball, baseball commissioner. commissioner. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, honestly, given the season that the Mets had, if they put her in the outfield, I don't know that we could do much worse. <laughs> <laughs> My bet's on Keyshawn, right? Yeah. Uh, hopefully, Frank. hopefully this season uh, turns out better for her than it did for. Or, uh, Max Scherzer stay, and Justin yes, Berlin. Stay on top, Frank. Stay on top of this situation with the with them killing my whales. And and by the way, and, before and, and wait, wait, there's one more thing. Uh, that's what I was about to Rob say. Rob Ryan te- texted me at three o'clock in the morning, and I was up. And then I texted you at four o'clock <laughs> yes, in the morning, you, and you messed me again at four thirty. But go I ahead. missed you at four thirty. <laughs> yeah, you did. And and yeah. what's going on with this? Uh, uh, the redistricting. redistricting yeah. yeah. Uh, well, uh, Judge Weinberg knows a lot about this from both sides of the legal and political issue. But uh, here's what's going on. You, traditionally, redistricting is done every 10 years. The Democratic state legislature tried to gerrymander the lines. Uh, the Republicans, led by John Faso and Ed Cox, went to court and they got the Court of Appeals. Uh, all of whom were appointed by Democrats, including someone in studio there. They, the Court of Appeals said, no, we're not going to go along with this gerrymander. And they appointed, <laughs> by the way, by the way, and, the person in studio just figured out who it, you're referring it took to. Me about five seconds, Frank. <laughs> I realized you were but, talking. But, but now, uh, now that there's a new and by the, they judge, fired, they, they, the Democrats got rid of one of the judges. Janet Fiore, right. Janet that, that, Fiore that voted, voted against them. Yeah, that must so have been a coincidence. I'm shocked, shocked. I'm not excusing some of the things that uh, uh, Chief Judge DeFiore did, but uh, they tried to appoint a sensible alternative to Janet DeFiore that probably would have voted the same way on cases like redistricting. The state Senate, as you guys chronicled very well, they killed they that They need pick. somebody that's going to cook the books. Well, and now that's exactly even though this case has already been decided in the courts, the Democrats are now trying to go to court again to have this very same redistricting process that resulted in the gerrymander for 2022. They're trying to go through this process again. So it used to be that you used to be able to redraw the lines every 10 years. Now it seems like whenever a party is in the majority, including Republicans in states like North Carolina or Florida, they're going to try and redraw the lines. The guy in the studio now wants to talk. <laughs> my my understanding is that one of the judges feels they have a conflict 
and uh, yeah, and stepped down, uh, and they replaced them with Hannigan because she they, she felt she was going to get fired, right. and they, if she stayed on. They uh, replaced. <laughs> you can't uh, make it up. Her with uh, uh, Diane Fenwick. Who is Frank, yeah. Frank, real Hannigan, quick, we got to go real quick, real quick. We yeah, go. this is an this is an issue both the Post and the news have editorialized against. It's a very new policy of how chief judges are replaced when they recuse themselves. And it does lead to an appearance of impropriety and bias. I know Judge Weinberg can talk more about this. I hope you'll yeah, have me again. We, back to, uh, we won't Moreno. let him talk about it, though. We're going to bring, bring you to this side of midnight again. <laughs> Frank, we so love you, Frank. I'll see you tonight. All right, we got to take that break right now. Take the break, and we're coming back with... With Andy McCarthy talking about the college students who are ripping down hostage Don't posters. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we're back on Cats and Cosby. Let's go right to former assistant U.S. attorney, Andy McCarthy. Uh, Andy, what do you make of all these people protesting and tearing down also the posters? It's not a a surprise, Rita. The most important project that the Muslim Brotherhood has had in its decades in the United States is the Muslim Students Associations, which started in the mid-1960s and now have campus or chapters on every campus across the country. Uh, so if you allow them to go for three generations building that, you know, we're now at the end, the other end of it. We're seeing what the fruits of it were. And it's very disturbing, but it shouldn't be surprising to anyone. I wrote a book about this about 12 years ago. You know, um, Andy, uh, ACLU, did you see this says uh, came out? They're very different than the Anti-Defamation League says, throw the book at these people that are getting out of hand and ripping down hostage posters. ACLU came out today and said, it's not a good idea. Let's let's give the college students basically a pass. Your thoughts? Well, this is a new idea on the left that we should just sit back and let um, let people who are um, carrying on the way these people are carrying on blow off steam and it'll all be better. But I, I think our experience is exactly the opposite, Rita. The more you let this go on, the more of it you get. Yeah, by the way, Andy, I'm just breaking now, too, that uh, the House GOP has passed uh, the Israel aid bill to offset the IRS funding cuts. That was something that they were planning to do, just the aid by itself to Israel and getting the money from those 87,000 extra IRS agents they were planning to do. Sadly, it, it uh, will die in the Senate because I think we'd rather have support for Israel than extra IRS agents. Andy, it's Richard yeah. Weinberg. Where's the uh, where's the support out of the FBI and the Justice Department to go after the harassment, intimidation, the violation of the civil rights of the Jewish students on campus? You see any action on that? I haven't seen any cases yet. I know, you know, the FBI is making some of the right sounds. I've been following uh, Director Ray pretty closely the last couple of days, but you know, sounds are great. We need action more. And look, if these if these were not Jewish students, if they were, you know, another group, if it was Black Lives Matter and they were being harassed by, you know, white supremacists, there would already be people under arrest and they'd be making a, an example out of them. Yeah, you know, also, we were talking earlier, um, Andy, and, and actually I want to ask this question. John asked, who is the bin Laden of 2023? Who is funding these people? How do you track And We had uh, the Virginia attorney general earlier who's trying to crack down on some of these groups that may be funneling money to Hamas. How do you track the money? 
Well, there are different sources of it. There, you know, there some of them are from the political left, and some of them are, you know, from Islamist sources overseas. For example, Qatar has given hundreds of millions of dollars to Hamas over the years. Uh, the the Muslim Brotherhood has all kinds of funding sources, and there's been a crossover between those sources and people who are on the political left, where they have very deep uh, funding sources for a lot of these organizations. So it's uh, there's a lot of money there. Yeah, there definitely is. Well, Andy McCarthy, uh, thank you so much for being here. It's so great to have you here on the show, and we really appreciate it. And uh, keep fighting the good fight, Andy. You're always in the middle of a good fight. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. And, guys, what do we stand for? But anyway, it's almost Friday. Almost Friday. Wow, what a week. What a week. Well, I do know what well, we stand for. Superman music. I That's hear right. it. I hear it. And by the way, you said that today also at, at, at the, the Vietnam speech, Veterans Group. Speech, that was right. beautiful. We stand for truth, truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.